So rather than trying to go back and forth, we're trying to make it a little bit easier. It's focusing, there's kind of two parts. There's us in confession, and there's who God is. So I was reading the first part, and I was like, this, uh, Psalm 51 is a guide for confession. And the first thing, the, the opening words are, Lord, have mercy on me. And I was captured by this because first it begins with humility, which is so different than how we come to confession. So often in our culture, in our society, even just human nature, we want to minimize uh, what we've done. Or we want to deflect what we've done. We want to minimize it first by saying, <clears throat> you know, I, I kind of messed up a little bit. I mean, it's funny, the psalm doesn't start like that. Oh, Lord, please hear me. I kind of made a little mistake, just a tiny one. Now he comes saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Absolutely brokenhearted. Lord, have mercy on me. But we still have this tendency to try and minimize. Like I've, I, What I did was not good. <laughs> Rather than saying it was evil or sin, it was not so good. Maybe not the best choice I could have made. We try to do all these things to minimize sin. Minimize the things we've done wrong. Minimize the things that we've said that hurt people or the corners that we cut. We try to minimize it. Or we try to deflect it. Try to externalize it. Rather than accepting responsibility for it, it was, it was their fault. They made me so mad. It was so-and-so's fault. I, I, should, I know I shouldn't have honked at them so loud, but it was their fault for, for cutting me off. We tried to deflect <laughs> I think about it as a parent. You know, it's my kid's fault that they're so crazy. That's what makes me so angry with them. <laughs> Rather than me taking responsibility and say, you know, boys, please forgive me for yelling. So we have this tendency to try to minimize it, try to deflect it, or try to, to come before God and maintain our dignity. We try to come to confession, and there's just human nature to try and somehow still contain, try and maintain our dignity through it. Rather than just saying, Lord, please forgive me, on our hands and knees, try to make excuses or reasons why it wasn't so bad. So as I'm listening to this, I hear David coming and saying, Lord God, please have mercy on me. There's no pretense. There's no masking. There's no excuses. Just, Lord, please forgive me. And then in verse 3, he goes on to say, my sin is always before me. And this sense that I know what I've done. And that's the thing, I, you know, in this deep sense, we, we know when we are going against God's plan. We know when we are going against God's best for us or how he taught us to live in Scripture. We know it. And sometimes we try to rationalize it. Sometimes we try to retranslate, reinterpret Scripture to make it fit our lives. But ultimately, we still know. We still know the Holy Spirit is speaking to us sometimes banging at the door, trying to get us to turn around. But it made me think of some of the sermons that I've heard on like sin and, and confession and forgiveness. And, and I really didn't want to do that. I've, I've been in sermons or been in churches where the pastor tries to lay this just massive guilt trip on you, tries to make you feel horrible and remorse rather than letting the Holy Spirit do it. And I never found those all that um, productive. <laughs> You know, just letting, watching them try to heap guilt and I found myself more defensive than anything. So I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to speak honestly about our sin, about the things that we've said, even in the last week, things that we knew we shouldn't have said or hurtful things that we've said. I'm just trying to be honest about the things that we've done 
the corners we've cut, the times when we've kind of cheated or didn't do it the way that we were supposed to or the way that was honorable or the way that glorifies God. I'm just trying to speak honestly about that. We all stand before God needing confession. So ultimately, we know our sin. We know those places where God, like either through Scripture or through prayer, says, this is the way I want you to do it. This is the way all my people should do it. And then we still choose the other way. We still know those. All those times, even sometimes the moment we say it, we know the hurt we've caused. So I'm not here to try and heap guilt on us. I'm here to try and speak honestly and then let the Holy Spirit, um, let the Holy Spirit speak to you in that. So we know um, our sin is always before us. And then in verse 5, he says, I was sinful even uh, at my birth, even while I was conceived. And I was thinking about that. That gets at the depth of our sinfulness and our brokenness. I was talking with my friend this morning, and we're talking about kids. You know, none of us have to teach our kids how to lash out when they're angry, right? How many mothers here taught your kids when they were three years old to say mine? It's just in us. Mine. How many of you here had to teach your children to cry when they didn't get their way? It's just in us. This brokenness, this, to use the biblical term, sinfulness. This idea that the world revolves around us and is if, we, if we don't get our way, then we have the right to be angry and, and act horribly. And it starts from birth. It starts when we were kids, and I believe it's part of the fall. It began uh, back in Adam and Eve when they chose, when they rebelled against God, that all of humanity is fallen, and we pass it down from generation to generation. It's not something we have to teach. It's just in us, this brokenness, these cracks that came from the fall. So here David's talking about these, um, this depth of our sin. You know, we sometimes, again, in our attempt to minimize it, we might try and think, well, you know, I messed up once, you know, like 10 years ago, but I've been pretty good since then. Honestly, we've been messing up. We've been getting it wrong. We've been rebelling and hurting from the beginning. Our sin is deep. My sin runs deep. Our sin runs deep. And so we come with these realities to confession. A time of asking, Lord God, please forgive me. Lord God, please have mercy on me. And at this point, some of you might be thinking, wow, this is like the, <laughs> the, the most depressing sermon I've heard in a while. But it's true, right? Talking about our sinfulness and our brokenness. But there is good news. There is great news. There is grace. Listen to this. Verse 1 says, Have mercy on me, O God. So David comes in this brokenness. Absolute, utter, no pretense, no excuses. Lord, please forgive me. And he says, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassions, blot out my transgressions. This is good news as we start talking, as we move, shift from talking about us to begin talking about God. Lord, according to your great love, your steadfast love, your love that keeps loving, even when we blow it time and time again, 
to your great compassion, God, that you would blot out our transgressions, the things that we've done wrong. So even though we have this brokenness, this sinfulness that begins the moment we are born, that runs deep in us, we have an amazing God. Amazing God with steadfast love who keeps loving even when we do horrible things. Amazing God full of great compassion. Now this is good news and I, I was realizing that it's also somewhat of a narrow path because on the one side you could err towards, well, my sin is too great and I don't deserve it. And I've, heard, I've talked with people who've said that. I've talked with people who said, you know, that's great for you, Jason, the whole Christian thing. I'm glad that works for you, but you don't know what I've done. And it's just not for me. I know I don't cut it. That's not what this psalm is saying. The psalm is saying that God is compassionate. God has steadfast love that regardless of what we've done, regardless of our history, and there's some things in my life that I'm really ashamed of, that God still loves us and is compassionate towards us and forgives and blots out our transgressions. We also have to be careful we don't go the, too far the other direction. And I've heard those conversations as well. People who, who take God's love and his compassion for granted. I've heard of people who say, you know, I'm just going to do this. I know it's wrong, but I'm just going to do this because I know God will forgive me when I'm done. That's not how it works. That's not how we're meant to live. So we have to walk this narrow line between uh, the false idea that we are too bad, that there's nothing too bad that God can't love us and forgive us through. But we also don't want to go too far the other way where we take God's grace and his compassion for granted so far that we think we can do whatever we want, indulge ourselves however we want, say whatever we want, how, whoever it hurts, and then just say, Lord, and Lord, forgive me at the end. There's consequences in that. No, we try and walk this middle path realizing that God is the Lord God. He's holy and he hates sin yet he still loves us and still has compassion for us. So that's the good news, this amazing God that we serve. But not only that, but also too that the Lord God, that that he's the one who cleanses us. If you look at verse 3, He says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Sorry, verse 4. Against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak. And I'm thinking of this and I'm thinking back at verse 2 where it says, Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. There's complete, there's utter reliance on David's part, complete reliance on the Lord to make him clean, to wash away all his transgressions. You know, it's hard for us. For many of us, we want to be able to do it ourselves, right? I want, I, you know, thanks for the gift, God, but I think I'd rather work it off. I think I'd rather earn my way if that's okay with you, if it's all the same to you. We struggle with that, with this free gift of grace. I'm thinking there's a whole letter, actually many of the letters, but I was thinking of the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Uh, almost 2,000 years ago, where he talked about grace and about this amazing thing that Jesus has done. He said that while we were still sinning, while we were still enemies with God, Jesus died for us. That the Lord God sent his son, and Jesus came and lived among us, 
Can you imagine that? God, who has everything he could ever want or this amazing place, shoehorned himself into human form, crawled into this world on his hands and knees as a child to be taken care of by people. Imagine that for a God. And then the fact that he uh, walked this earth, taught us how to live, and then ultimately sacrificed. He was beaten, spit on. People made fun of him. They mocked him. Then they hung him on a cross till he died. What an amazing sacrifice Jesus has made. Thankfully, he rose again. And through this cross and his resurrection, we have been made right with our Father in heaven. Everything that we've done wrong that separates us from God, Jesus undid it on the cross. Because of his sacrifice. Now, all those things that should separate us from a holy God have been covered over, they've been atoned for, they've been removed, they've been cleaned through him. It's in this psalm that David realizes that he can't do it on his own. He can't say, you know what, God, I'm going to go take ten showers. I'm going to use the finest oils, the best perfumes. I'm going to wash myself, thank you. He doesn't talk like that. He says, Lord, please clean me. I'm relying on you entirely. Please clean me. It's the Lord who makes us clean. Then there's this last part. It's at, it's at verse 4. It's the last part of it. He says, so that you're proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. You know, sometimes as Christians, especially like in some of the circles that I run in, we talk so much about how good God is because of who we know God to be through Jesus, how gentle, how warm, and how caring. But also, Jesus was no pushover. God is no pushover. God is holy. And he hates sin. He's angry at sin. People have died because of sin. He hates it. And God is this judge. And we think, well, who is God to judge? Well, if you ask me, God is God. So when he says it, that's the rule. Because he's the one who has created us. So who are we? If that, that famous saying, who, is, who are we as the pots to challenge who the potter has made us? So God is the one who's, who's making these judgments, and he is right. I can tell you, he is right to judge me. Like I said, there's things that I've done that I am ashamed of. And I pray, Lord God, please forgive me. And he has every right not to. Because he is holy, because of who he is, he has every right to let me nowhere near him because of my sinfulness, because of my brokenness. But that's not the case. He's forgiven me. Even though he is God and judges, through Jesus, through our Lord, he has forgiven us. So this morning as we attack, or attack, um, tackle these first few verses of, of Psalm 51, we focus on this, this idea of confession. Next week we'll talk some about restoration as, as David prays, Lord, please restore me and what that looks like. And then the response that David has, he talks about going to share this good news with others. But this morning we're focusing in on confession. The fact that we as people, we come humbly before the Lord. Lord, please forgive me. No pretense, no excuses, no reasons why it's not as bad as, as everybody thinks it is. Just coming before him. Lord, please forgive me. That we come in now and we know our sin. We are fully aware of it. That we don't try to sugarcoat it. 
We don't try to downplay it, but we come fully before him and ask for forgiveness. And then we realize the depth of our sin. It begins even when we are kids. Just how deep our sinfulness goes. But then we also realize how good God is. His steadfast love and his compassion. We realize, too, that he is the one who cleans us. We can't do it on our own. And that ultimately he is justified in even judging us. But yet he doesn't. He gives us grace. This is this amazing part of confession. But it's also, like I said earlier, the step or the, the doorway through which we grow in Christ. You know, I don't know how, I, I don't know that it's possible to follow Jesus, to grow in your relationship with Jesus, and to refuse confession. I understand it can be difficult, especially when we really, when we really mess up. When we really do things we know that we shouldn't have, and we even did them willingly. I know it can be hard to confess, to come to the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me. But as I'm reading Psalm 51, I'm encouraged that no matter what we've done, no matter how bad, even if it was yesterday, no matter how bad it is, we can still come to the Lord our God and say, Lord, please have mercy on me. 